But having that meeting before and then you take payment prior to doing any of that work on their paperwork, would that be right? Yes. So, because that's another thing that we're never trained to do is take money and how to ask for that money. So sometimes it's easier if we've worked that out, it's right at the beginning, it's all done and dusted, then the person doesn't have to worry about it at the appointment. You don't have to worry about it at the appointment. It's all just done. You can just get on and do what needs doing. So if there's anything extra like testing or anything extra like supplementation, you have that discussion during your consult. Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite-sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists and practitioners responding directly to the needs of a practicing natural therapist. With interviews, herbal discussions, something business, something clinical, you'll get the variety you need to enjoy and stay motivated and practice. So thanks for joining me today. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast for our episodes. If you'd like more support, get in contact and I look forward to working with you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. How are you? Well, today I've got a treat for you because I've got Deb Ashton. Now, Deb is a naturopath and nutritionist and nurse, and she's here in Adelaide as well. Now, she's been in business for 20 years, I think. And in that 20 years, she has well done a lot, seen a lot, but it's getting into that niche and how she started practicing the way she practices is what I wanted to talk to Deb about today. So Deb, welcome to the show and please say hello to everyone and introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. It's lovely to be here. I've been practicing many years, I think in total 28 years, including my nursing. And I've focused on autoimmunity and inflammation, mostly because that was my own issues. And I think as with many practitioners, we have a fascination with a particular area of health or our own health. For myself, it was because I couldn't find answers to my questions. And I think this, I hear this a lot from other practitioners is that, that nobody could give them answers and they felt like they were hypochondriacs. They felt like they couldn't function and nobody had any answers. And when I started looking into natural medicine and first line medicine rather than tertiary medicine, getting into the primary healthcare and prevention, etc., it's the old adage, you know, when you're in medicine, in tertiary medicine, people fall into the river and you spend your time trying to fish them out. And we stand up the head of the river trying to stop people from falling falling in the first place. We're always like the last, the end of the line, aren't we? And if only people had come to us somewhere of the line, it's so much easier. But because we're end of the line, how did you find that you started to niche into the area? I mean, you do genetic testing and you do quite a lot of comprehensive Mm -hmm. testing for your clients. So how did you find that that's where you segued to? What was the motivation to do genetics and things? I think the main motivation for doing the testing was that people wanted concrete answers. And sadly, when it comes to consulting alone, there is a lot of test and retest of process. Let's try this trial and error. So when we're looking at food sensitivities, before the testing came out, people would have to come to see us weekly fill in all the sheets and sit down with us and consult with us so that we could try and find out what was going on. And when genetic testing came about, it really gives people the underlying keys as to how their body is going to work, particularly when it comes to inflammation, metabolism, how the body processes energy and how to get the most out of the body, particularly with cardiac 
And I think people really want those answers. They want to find out what's really going on for them. So the genetic testing is actually quite difficult, like getting through all of the, the minutia of the information. It takes a long time to go through the information and put it into context for your patient. And that's the value that a practitioner has in this. I mean, people can go and get testing from anywhere, but they don't have somebody who can sit down and go through that information that says, okay, you've got this group of genes and this is what it means. And being able to provide that service for my patients allows them to understand that when you have a genetic influence, you treat things differently than if it's just a metabolic issue. So if it's metabolic, you correct the behavior and it should go away. Whereas when it's genetic, you can correct the behavior. You can't correct that you've inherited that gene, but because, as you know, we're talking about epigenetics, these are the genes that you can switch on and off through lifestyle. So how did you, you said that you were seeing your clients, how did you niche with, because I know you don't see children, how did you choose no. the type of person, the niche that you wanted to be in? You chose genetics. I mean, really, we can see anyone doing genetics. So how did you decide, this is my group of people and who is that group of people? Again, that's generally because of my own experience and that's what I've done the most research with when it comes to autoimmunity yeah. and inflammation, subclinical inflammation. These are the people who don't have any answers in medicine. And when you and I started Practice G, we were, there was no such thing as chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia. There wasn't really such a thing as PMS or anxiety. All of these conditions that are relatively well known now were non-existent. So most of these people who were suffering these conditions, particularly if there was a neurological aspect to it, were just simply fobbed off as being hypochondriacs. And mm. these were the people who were really exhausted. And I thought there had to be a deeper reasoning for it. So when I came across genetic testing, I found all the inflammatory markers indicate not only how likely someone was to become inflamed, but also what their ease of recovery or lack thereof was as well, which completely dictates how you have to manage your life when you're dealing with these conditions. So who is your ideal client? Because we do ask, that's part of running a business, isn't it? And yeah. advertising and everything else is finding your ideal client. So how would yeah. you describe your ideal client? My ideal client is 80% of the time female, usually anywhere between 25 and 65, which I know is a large range. But generally, they tend to be late 30s, early 40s, whether or not they've got children. They're usually professional. They're usually financially fairly independent or they have a partner that is incredibly supportive and they, they can afford what I do because you know, what I do is not cheap, sadly. Genetic but testing. The, right. Genetic testing. And they have some kind of inflammatory condition that they've already tried everything else for and they can't get the answers that they're looking for. Usually they don't know that they've got fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue. They're not aware of an inflammatory condition. They just know that they're really tired all the time yeah. or they just know that they had glandular fever, they had Ross River fever, they've had some kind of big flu that they've never recovered from. In the current climate, there are also people who they're calling it long COVID now, but mm -hmm. uh, the inflammation post-virus, any post-viral issue but also autoimmune issues such as multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, those things that require intensive medical and quite intense medicines. And yeah. their, their system actually needs the support of nutrition and 
the support of herbs to, to make medicines more effective and to help them decrease inflammation by through their own actions rather than just relying on the medication. So when you see a client, because this is, people always wonder how other people do it, right? It's like, what do they do in their clinic? How do they do it? What is your system for seeing a client? So they find you and they can find me. Yep. And they usually get recommended to me. Yep. And so what is the system that they follow to become your patient? And then how often do you see them? Usually when someone's recommended to me, I do what we call a discovery call. So I'll sit down with them for 15 minutes and I don't charge for that because I want to see if we're going to be a really good fit. I think it's really easy to fall into the, the fear idea that we need to make money, we need to help people and we need to help everybody who comes across our path. And even if they're a real challenge, we must help them. And I think it's really important to be discerning about who you take on because the energy that we put into our patients is a lot. We need to look after our energy because if we burn out, then we can't help anybody. So I think the discovery call is really important to see, one, how dedicated somebody is, two, whether or not they're going to follow through, three, whether or not you think as a personality, whether or not you think that's going to gel as well. And if it's within your scope, if you're taking something that's not within your scope, that can be incredibly intimidating, feeling like you you know, you know, start seeing somebody and realise fairly quickly that actually that they need to be referred on to somebody else. You can rule that out very quickly with a discovery call if they need to go and see a doctor, if they need to go and get blood tests. I think that's important. And then after that, once somebody's agreed and booked in, I actually send out all of my assessments online mm-hmm. and I treat completely online now it's been a year now uh, treated completely online and so through email they get their assessments I do my intake form I do my health assessment and I do a neurotransmitter assessment as well mostly because the neurotransmitter test gives you a lot of information that you wouldn't otherwise get through a health test and for Mm -hmm. those people who think that their digestions are normal or believe that they don't have any digestive issues so if they think that their absorption is better is fine, if they, if they don't know what normal is or what healthy is as far as digestion is concerned, because much of the neurotransmitters are made in the gut, if they have significant deficiencies in the neurotransmitters, I know their gut's not functioning properly and also that they need support with their mental health, which is a lovely way to bring in that holism and starting asking those questions about their their mental health as well. And I receive those before we start our first consult. And that allows me some time to actually go through that information. And then I can ask them specific questions about what their concerns are and structure some kind of timeline or pathway about how their treatment and their prognosis is probably going to go. And I think that's important. I don't think people pay money for me to sit down and let them fill out forms. I think that's a waste of their time and a waste of clinic time. So I like to get that all done before they see me. I have a standard rule where if I've put somebody on something new, given them a new prescription, then I check on them in two weeks, which is enough time for it to start to activate and enough time to see whether or not you need to increase the dose, decrease the dose or leave it the same. So usually I don't actually keep any stock. So I have to get everything sent to them from a third party. So I give it three weeks after the consult when I catch up with them. And I would usually see them two to three weeks after that again 
And the question I ask myself, I don't have a, an, a strict schedule for seeing my clients. The question I ask myself, you know, for example, if you were seeing me, I'd say, how long can Geraldine get away with doing this in the real world by herself without my help? Yeah. And in the beginning, of course, that is going to be two or three weeks. And as soon as I can, I push it to a month and then I'll push it to six weeks and then I'll push it to eight weeks and then I'll push it to 12 weeks. And generally, I find with people who have ongoing autoimmune conditions or inflammatory conditions, 12 weeks is a really lovely maintenance cycle. So I see them four Mm -hmm. times a year. If somebody doesn't have those requirements, then I try to get them down to twice a year. So, you know, the same amount of time it would take you to go get your teeth checked at the dentist if they're doing well. But generally, within 12 weeks, something has happened. Someone's fallen off the wagon. Something doesn't go right. So at that 12-week mark, when you do that reassessment, it allows you to get them back on track, pick them up. But hopefully, also by the time you get to that regular 12-week reassessment, they're really handling their own stuff. They're really on top of it. And unless something happens, you really don't need to see them. And the reason it's so important to do things that way is because you can't keep seeing everybody every two weeks. There's not enough room in your book. You get booked out and you get burnt out. So by thinning out how often you see a patient, the stronger that they get, you're also making room to pay attention to the people who really do need your help. I always see everybody every two weeks initially and then the same. I spread it out to three, I spread it out to four. And I mean, it is when you first see them, it is a bit of a coaching thing. You can't just go to netball once and be an amazing netballer. You have to turn up and do the work and you need the support of someone to help change things and help you to switch things. But then as you get better along the road, you're going to want to not see them as much and they're going to want to not see you as much. But they still need that little bit of support And so the slow spreading of when you see them so that they've got that opportunity to ask those questions, to have that new cold that's come in that needs a bit of a yep formula or whatever it is to overcome and get back on whatever they're doing. So sometimes it means that there is enough room in your diary for them to book in that extra one because they have got sick. Something has changed and get the support that they need. And But what's really good about making sure that they understand that we're going to see them on a regular basis and it's part of how you do things is you get to know those people over a long period of time. I mean, I've got clients from when I first started. Next week, I'm seeing three clients who all started when I started as natural. And I see them twice a year and I always see them coming up to Christmas because for them, those three particular people that I'm seeing next Thursday are all quite stressed like they get stressed at Christmas so there's always an appointment just before Christmas and it's just works perfectly yes and I find for Christmas to me because I take uh, usually from the middle of December off to Mm -hmm. the middle of January because nobody wants to see me for Christmas for some reason that's my quiet time (laughs) we all have a quiet time don't we 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 have to recognize it we have to recognize and enjoy our plan around it plan around it I tend to see my patients in the December before the January because generally they like to do some kind of cleanse at the beginning of the year. They like to do their summer cleanse. So we have the appointment in December, plan whether we're going to do that, what type we're going to do that because you know they, they, these things are best supervised. And even though they've been doing it for years and years and years and years, yeah, we just refresh it and update it for what their needs are now You know, because you change year to year. 
And yeah, but I have, yeah, same. I've got like three or four clients who cleanse every January. So December Mm -hmm. we do the, okay, let's get this going thing. And it's great. It's great seeing these people and knowing how much you've helped them. And in turn, we help their families because we've supported them and changed their diet and changed so much about them. They have in turn changed the diet of their family, changed what's going on around them and improved everyone else's health as well. And referral, word of mouth referral is fantastic. It's the best form of referral. Um, But having that meeting before, and I mean, I'm assuming you have the meeting, they agree they're going to come to see you and then you take payment prior to doing any of that work on their paperwork. Would that be right? Yes. So, because that's another thing that we're never trained to do is take money and how to ask for that money. So sometimes it's easier if we've worked that out, it's right at the beginning, it's all done and dusted. Then the person doesn't have to worry about it at the appointment. You don't have to worry about it at the appointment. It's all just done. You can just get on and do what needs doing. So if there's anything extra like testing or anything mm -hmm. extra like supplementation, you have that discussion during your consult. So do you have packages or programs that you like to use? I know you're about to, you're in the process of developing a program. I'm about to, I am developing one. I have a process that I use quite systematic, a -hmm. guideline, uh, which depends on the client's needs. So generally I find that food and nutrition has a huge impact on their health. So if they don't know what is affecting them, then I like to do IgG, IgA testing. I also Mm -hmm. like to do the genetic testing. And I like to do those two first because it will indicate whether or not they may have issues with their hormones. So if they already have cyclic issues, instead of just doing a Dutch test, which is the dried urine hormone test, I actually have a look and see if there is a genetic reason behind it. And it usually is, particularly with processing hormones through the liver and inflammation. It also brings up whether or not this person has issues processing and metabolizing chemicals as well. So that'll highlight whether or not they will probably need an organic acid test because these people are more likely to be affected by those issues than people who don't tweak for that. And if they don't tweak for it, then I don't need to waste money on testing unless they're symptomatic. I tend to go for those two tests first. And my process is generally to support the digestion and to support the mitochondrial energy and for me personally I know I went through a process pretty much like every other young practitioner does of trying to fix all the things at once and giving people lots of stuff to fix the things and I just found it wasn't sustainable for my clients and it wasn't sustainable for me so I paired it right back and I asked myself what are the two areas that really seem to come up over and over again and of course it was digestion and mitochondrial energy or adrenal fatigue and in my experience before you get to supporting with the the tonification herbs you really need to focus on making sure that their iron is at a healthy level and making sure that their mitochondria is producing correct amount of ATP I think if you can get that set then it tends to eradicate the other issues that you think are, are going to be prevalent, and I've, for me, it's ruled out up to 60 to 80% of all the other supplementation that I would have put them on at the beginning. By the time they've finished that process and they're starting to absorb their nutrition properly, their digestion is improving and their energy is improving, then all the herbs that they need for their anxiety and their nerves 
decreases and it highlights what does need to be treated. It yep. saves them a lot of time. It saves you a lot of time. It saves a lot of money and it deals with the actual problem and the underlying issues yep. rather than focusing on all the symptoms that are popping up, which is very tertiary. And I know the way that we're taught these days is very different to the way that you and I were taught. So it is very much like this is the symptom and you use a natural treatment rather than getting right to that real initial cause, which is mm-hmm. you and I know always starts in the digestion. Yep, never been well since. There's always something we've got always to find. Something. Never been well yep. since. And then we can, then we've got our pinpointer. It was a virus. It was, they got barley belly. They got whatever. Yep. It is. We've got the never been well since. And yep. we can then extrapolate out from there, do the testing from there, and really target our treatments yep. from that never been well since moment. And everyone has one. And sometimes it just takes a bit of poking and prodding to find it. Because they're like, oh, no, no, yeah. nothing, nothing, nothing. And I had one young man, no, nothing, nothing. Oh, I think I was fine when I was at school and as a teenager. Oh, my gut's probably changed a bit when I started working in the pub. Oh, well, that would be because you were touching everybody's dirty glasses. And then you yeah. were touching your face and you yes, picked exactly. up somebody's bugs. You know, it's as simple yep. as that. Yep, we found, the, we found your moment. So sometimes those conversations are really easy. Oh, yeah, I came back from Bali with a really bad stomach. Or like yep. him, when was it? Let's think about this. Well, not really until I worked in the pub. Oh, there's our logical answer. Let's, yep. What do you do in a pub? You collect glasses. What have people have been doing with their glasses? They've been touching them with dirty hands and they've got their lips all over them. Yes. So, and so, yeah, getting back to that core problem in whatever way you do it. And then mm-hmm. from there, going back again, like you're doing with genetic testing, really means you have that deeper understanding of that client and where to go from there and what's going to work and what's not. So that's amazing. So you've been in Adelaide practicing and now you're totally online and you're about to move up to Queensland. That means that you can live where you want because you're living the dream completely online. So for those dinosaurs like us who are out there listening, thinking I can never go solely online, both Deb and I managed it. I've been totally- dinosaurs. Yeah, and we're dinosaurs. So if we, can do it, everybody else can do it. Everybody else can do it. It's been great. It saved me money. It's yeah. allowed me to spend more time at home. Mm-hmm. It's allowed me to slow down mm-hmm. and uh, spend more time with my patients and with my friends and my family. It's allowed that real harmony between work mm-hmm. and life. It's really been lovely. And I realized that I used to spend five and a half hours a week just traveling, just yeah. in my car. So you almost get an entire work day back that you don't have to actually go somewhere. And it's allowed me to streamline my processes. It's allowed me the time to tr- streamline my processes and put that effort into seeing my patients. Yeah, it's been, it's been great. And particularly because I am I was north side, I was in Paynham. Mm. I would get people coming up from out past Murray Bridge and even over at Glenelg, it takes longer to get from Glenelg to Paynham than it does to have the appointment. Yeah, so, uh, absolutely. For yep. those people, they're ever so grateful that they can just have their half-hour appointment within that amount of time yeah. and uh, get on with their day. Absolutely. And with that last thought, getting on with our day, we might, as this is the Bite Size podcast, leave that there for today. And well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your experiences with us. It's absolutely well, fabulous. for having me. And good luck in Queensland and carrying Thank on you. online. And maybe we'll have you back with all your changes for next Christmas's episodes. 
So I would love that. Thank you very much. And peeps who are listening, usual thing, if you wouldn't mind going and giving us a five-star review because you've made it all the way to the end, that would be lovely. So thank you very much, Deb. And thank you, listeners. Cheers. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes. If you'd like even more support and learning, then the Academy is for you. Here you'll find part two of the herbal discussions, more clinical learning, and case studies to support your clients in practice. Bye for now.